on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. When you're looking at your profit and loss, you, both of those avenues, your offense and your defense, go exactly to the same bottom, bottom line. They both contribute yeah. to the same number that, that appears at the, at the end of each month. And yeah. you have to look after both. So if you're a, a smaller business, and we work with small businesses just as much as we work with big businesses, it's vitally important for you to look after those expenses at the defensive end of your business. Because right. if you're doing that, you, you're going to have more you're going to have more money to pay your offense. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to be able to keep more of that bottom line. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. I'm your host. Today, I've got William McKissick here on the King stage. My brother, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You know, it's not, not very often that I have guests that have a f- super fun accent, but you're the second guest this week, actually. I had a gal from Sweden, and, uh, and then now you. I'll let you tell, you tell the audience where you're from, but I love audio accents. And so I'm, I'm going to really enjoy this, this interview. I didn't tell you this before we hit the recording button, but I could listen to you talk all day, man. So here we are. I'm going to ask a bunch of questions and be quiet so I can hear you talk. <laughs> okay. Appreciate you being here, man. What type of business do you have? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a franchisee with Schooly Mitchell. We're North America's largest independent expense reduction consulting company. So it's my job as the business owner with the team doing all the background work for me to find businesses that are looking to save money and we guarantee they will save money with our, our operations or there's no charge for a fee. So that's the type of business, business I'm in, expense yeah. reduction consulting. That's incredible. I love how you've labeled it. It's so specific. Give us just a quick, you know, maybe 30 second, like what type of companies do you usually work with? What type of expenses are you helping them reduce? That type of a thing. The expense categories, there's quite a few, so it's not going to be a quiz at the end. So we have telecom, credit card processing, shipping, waste, e-signature, utilities, fuel. We have facilities, supplies, and we also have uniforms and linens. So those are the categories, and we do an individual audit for each one or all of those categories. So we do an audit report. It's free. We show the client where they're spending the money, where where we recommend spending the money, and then those recommendations will always be a recommendation to stay with our existing vendors because we negotiate with everybody. We've got a database. So the kind of businesses that we look for, the reality is, is that any business that spends money in those categories, whether you're a small, medium, or large businesses, me personally, I've found some a lot of success working with wholesale distributors and medical groups. They tend to be bigger companies and bigger spends. I've been doing this for about six and a half years as a franchisee with Schooley Mitchell. But the reality is, is that any business that's spending money in any of those categories, we want to talk to them because there's no cost. It's like, we're going to look under your expenses hood for free, and we're going to give you an audit report that's going to confirm you've got the best prices and services possible with right. a free audit, or we save you money. Right. Simple as that. But the reality is, is that any business that spends money is a, a is a potential client for us. Yeah, I love that. Would you would you categorize or or does the franchise system put themselves in like the procurement industry? 
No, we tend to work with procurement directors, et cetera, within organizations, but we're not right. in the procurement business because we're not buying any of the services. We don't sell any of the services. Right. We it's more like group purchasing. Negotiate. Yeah, we, we, we're more like purchasing. So we, we negotiate with, with the, the vendors on behalf of the client. It's kind of like, you can imagine yeah. I'm a new employee for you in your business. My job is to find savings, but you're not paying me unless I find savings, which are going to share those savings with me. Kind of that, that's like who we are. But on a consultative basis, because we don't charge any money for the consultation. We only charge right. money if we actually produce results in the form of savings. Yep. I love that. Yeah. And usually, you know, you've got contracts with, with uh, big, big names that people already are probably doing business with. And if they do it through you, then you can leverage, you can leverage volume and get them a better price, right? Yeah. We, we've got over 27,000 clients and we've got a database and we've got a team of 120 members of staff at headquarters, as well as 240 offices. We pull all that knowledge together. So whether you're a large business or a small business, you're only one business negotiating with the same vendors we negotiate with building relationships with. So we've, we're doing it for thousands of clients on a daily basis. If you're a business owner, whatever your business is, you're making widgets, you're doing something as a business and cost reduction consulting is part of your business, but it's not all of your business. For us, it's all of our business. It's all we do. And as I say, we guarantee business will save money with our efforts or they don't pay us a single penny. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I appreciate you bringing such a heavy heavy need really it's it, it serves a big a big a big market I, I love how you use the word widget because you know for when 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 you're in your position i mean you can help anybody it doesn't matter what the quote-unquote yeah. widget is it's yes. funny i don't hear a lot of people use that word but i've used that word a lot over the years in a little different format but it's the same kind of general perspective of like it doesn't matter what the business is and that's how i've used it which is i've never been so sold you know or so in love with you know edible arrangements or fruit or I've never been so in love with, you know, a specific real estate deal, or I've never been so like the widget, whatever the widget is, <laughs> Yeah, ah, you know, it's business. It's funny because I used to say that un until gathering the Kings. And so gathering the Kings for me is like a little bit more of like a, like a purpose driven, like it's totally what I feel like I'm designed to do. So I actually am in love with it. And so it's a different experience. It's not just a widget to me anymore, but I've used that language for so many years. So a little different when you're helping so many different people, so many different industries, you just kind of have to call it a widget, right? <laughs> yeah. Because whatever you're selling, whether it's, it's a, a service or whether it's a, Product, a widget yeah. Yeah. Or, or whether it's a pair of shoes, you're selling something. And I just use the widget as the terminology for if yeah. you're a business owner or you're a CEO of a business, CFO, you're selling something and we're just calling everything a widget. And, and we we concentrate in the, the cost reduction consulting part because we're not selling widgets. Right. Our, our widget is helping businesses save money. If, if you want to call it ours a widget, that's what yeah. ours is. Helping yeah, that's your, that's, save your, money. that's your service. Yeah, I got it. Awesome, man. I want to know, I'm going to flip the script on here a little bit and kind of get into some questions. Personally, why are you why are you doing this? What's the bigger picture for you? You've been successful. You know, maybe someone's listening to you today, realizing that you're on the show. We've got some, you know, pretty clear parameters on, you know, who who can be on the show. And they're like, man, this guy's made it. But you're still at it. You're still pushing hard. You're trying to help more customers. Why? Yeah, I mean, look, look, to give a little bit of a back-end story for me, I'm, I'm from a working-class background in Scotland. I didn't do well at school. I was not, I left high school with no qualifications. So I jumped from one job to the other. Then I kind of found myself working in local government, cutting grass, parks department. I pushed the lawnmower kind of thing. And I almost get made redundant. And this is a true story. I almost get made redundant. And it was like, well, what happens if I lose this job? What have I got? A driving license. That's it. I've only got a driving license. What am I going to do? Drive taxis, work in a bar. 
So at that point, I thought, you know what, I need to educate myself. I need to do something to give myself an opportunity to be able to further my career or get a better job. Simple as that, just get a better job. So I went back to school and I did my high school qualifications. By this time, I had met my wife, who was a, a graduate of St. Andrews University. So there was a little bit of a kind of incentive there. Learning well, and there was probably a little bit of a, di- <laughs> a well, difference I mean, that, that between you and her. Into my, the, everything I do is a bit, well, learn from what other people have done. So my wife yeah. graduated from university. I was like, well, I want to do something like that. I want to be able to go for the better jobs. So yeah. I went back to school, to night school and I got my high school qualifications. And then I went six years at night school again to get my business degree. And I graduated when I was 37. Wow. So at this time, I'm working with local government. So while I was educating myself, so it doesn't have to be formal education, any kind of education. If you're bettering yourself, it's yeah. going to help you in your career. So it opened doors for me, and this is all the local government. So I moved along from customer services, GIS consulting. I ended up in, in economic development. I used to write and present reports to committee. So I'd taken a huge step from a working class boy who didn't have any qualifications. Suddenly, I'm sitting in front of committees, presenting reports, responding to consultations, being the economic development guy. So yeah. I then moved to work for Scottish Enterprise. So and I had a huge that this was the last time I had a job in Scotland. I worked for Scottish <laughs> Enterprise and I was the stakeholder and partnership manager for the south of Scotland. So it was a huge, wow. big, long job title. I resigned from that job when we came to the United States in January 2011. My wife, being the, the St. Andrews graduate, she got offered a fabulous job. We thought, OK, let's go. My wife, my two kids, I've resigned from my job. So I haven't had a job. I haven't worked for somebody since December 2010. And we came here and economic development was my passion. I'm I'm going to get to the point of the question. Economic development was always my passion. So I tried some things here. I had a floor cleaning business. I wasn't successful. Made a lot of mistakes. You make mistakes. You're going to do this. You're going to go along business ideas. You're going to make mistakes. So I then decided to try my hand at franchise consulting helping people buy franchises. That kind of tapped into a little bit of my passion for economic development and yeah. um, helping people, helping businesses get the right people. So in doing so, I discovered a franchise called Schoolie Mitchell, Expense yeah. Reduction Consulting, tapped really into my kind of like the core of what I feel about economic development. It's not strictly economic development, like working for a local government, et cetera, but it's, right. it's, it's one of the players in the field of, of the economic development battlefield, if you want to call it that. helping businesses get forward with more money in the bank accounts. So that resonated with me. So that's the passion that I bring to Schoolie Mitchell because I had that that climbing up the the ladder in government back in Scotland to now doing things for myself as as an entrepreneur or a frantrepreneur, if you want to call it that, (laughs) in in North America. So that was my passion, what led me to doing Schoolie Mitchell. And that's why I'm still doing it because I, I, I vehemently believe that it's important for businesses to look after their expenses just as much as it is to try and get their salespeople to bring money dollars in the door. Right. Where do you think that stems from? Is that, is there like a, uh, you know, like in essence, you're, you're helping people kind of keep their money safe or best used best purpose. There's like a high efficiency kind of tactic to this of like, you know, don't, don't waste. Is there something in, in who you are that speaks to that? Or is it more of like, no, no, I just like the more businesses that are healthy, the better our system is. Is that is that the bigger kind of like purpose for you? It's it's about both. I mean that that's absolutely true. You, you only have to re- reduce your expenses by five percent to get the 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 same deal from increasing your your sales. You'd have to do that by twenty percent. 
So five percent increase your sales, or increase your your sorry five percent decrease your your costs right. uh, is the equivalent to twenty percent increase of your sales. I didn't say that very well there. So yeah, and and for me that that's an important driver. If you're a business owner, and um, why wouldn't you use that five percent piece right. within? It means still keep increasing your sales. You have to keep doing that. You have to keep right. growing. If you don't grow, you'll stand still. But but looking after your expenses is vitally important. And, and yeah. I guess it always also comes from being from a working class background. I'm kind of frugal with my money. I try to spend money wisely and I kind of take that thinking process into working with businesses because if you're a business and, and you're earning tons of money, I've, I've had businesses tell me they're earning so much money they don't care about losing money. But well, okay, we'll give that money to charity, Give it, do some some good with it because if you're earning money as a business owner, as a business, you're, you're, you have your expenses, which is a leaky bucket. It's like got holes in it and money's always flowing out of that. You can't ever completely stop that, that right. bucket leaking, but you can plug some of the holes and cool. therefore you keep more of the water in the bucket. And that's our job is to plug some of the holes in the categories that we look at. But yeah, I, I passionately believe in kind of looking after your money because your money looks after you. That's right. Yeah. It was just funny. I was listening to a, a video, short form video yesterday, day before, I can't remember. And the guy that was talking was suggesting that his followers do this thing this thing that I've done for many, many years, probably, I don't know, 10 plus years, which is the very first thing when I do when I wake up, I look at all my bank accounts. And that sounds odd. It's like, you know, that you would look at all your bank accounts first thing in the morning. It's five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you know, barely can see and I'm scrolling through. But the reality of it is that when you pay attention to it, you pay attention to it. And so just what you just said, if you're paying attention to expenses and, and I can see why a growth minded, you know, entrepreneur is like, nah, don't worry about that. Let's just grow. But when yeah. you put, when you put numbers to it, right. When you say, well, it takes you four times as much growth for me to save on the back end. The cool yeah. part about your business model is that they don't have to pay anything unless you actually do it. So I love that portion of it because all they got to do is bring you in. You kind of, in essence, take care of the work. You do the audit, you do the, the connections and, and then they get the benefit. What would you say, we're, we're you know, kind of transition here a little bit, but what would you say to the listener right now, maybe who isn't a hundred plus person organization, which is probably a lot of your, your big organizations, especially medical, like all of those are pretty, pretty big organizations, I'm sure. But what would you say to the guy that's got maybe, you know, 50 or less employees and, you know, growth is really important. And so to focus on growth and watching all the expenses is, is somewhat difficult unless you do have a CFO or maybe a controller where you're kind of going to the next level on some of these things. And so as the entrepreneur, the main entrepreneur, we tend to lean towards like, let's just focus on the growth, let's grow, and we'll worry about the rest later. What would you say to that guy right now who maybe doesn't have the bandwidth or he doesn't think he has the bandwidth to be able to watch the expenses or be able to save money while he's growing? What would you say? I mean, a very basic level, if you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're earning, just to use a round number, you've, you've got a thousand bucks a month profit. Um, wouldn't it be nice to have 11 hundred bucks a month profit and then you could use the other hundred dollars back into marketing your business so there's so many ways you can use the the the, the excess money that's been left in the table right. for your business you can put it back into profits you can give it to your staff you can invest in equipment you can invest it back into marketing so if you believe that you're totally driven completely driven all about sales 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 just keep bringing the money if you're not taking care of the back end which is the defensive side offense is sales defense is, is looking after your expenses if you're not taking care of that you're literally leaving money on the table and you could for instance be funneling that money back into your offense again if, if you're completely right. offensive minded totally yep. offensive minded 
let your defense contribute to that by reducing yeah. your costs. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I, I'm totally in agreement with you and I'm definitely an offensive minded person, but I'm also fully aware of, you know, that the defense is important. Me growing up with, you know, playing basketball, I know this from even like a sports perspective, but what just came to my mind, you know, we're, we're here, it's January. I'm not sure exactly when the show will release, but right now we're, we're a couple of weeks away from the Super Bowl, and here in Kansas City, everybody is a Patrick Mahomes fan, right? And the reality of it is, is that the last couple of games, yes, the offense has done okay, but it's been the Chiefs defense that's kept yeah. the other people from scoring. And so uh, thank goodness because our offense was all right, but it, it wasn't what it normally is like this super flash high, high flowing offense. And so I just think it, it's relatable to what you just said is like, you can be offensive remind, you know, like, Hey, we got to score, got to score, got to score, got to score. But if, if the, if the opponent is scoring as quick as you are score, score, yep. score back and forth, score, 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 just over and over and over touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Um, you still may not win the game. <laughs> yes. And what business your your opponents always scoring? You can't stop them scoring. With, with football, you can. And I get it with the Kansas City Chiefs because they they had a, a rough game last week, and the the whole team pulled together. It wasn't just the Mahomes show. It was right. it was it was the whole team. But yeah, it, with football, you can stop the defense. You, you can stop the offense with your defense. You can't stop the offensive defense coming into your business. You can't stop that, but right. you can, you can stem the flow and yeah. you can, you can make, make it more that if you're going to win a game, you're, you're going to win it 20 to 10 <laughs> yeah. rather than, rather than lose it 21 to 10. And when you look at your, your numbers at the end of the month and go, just, I, I lost a thousand bucks this month. I yeah. wish I'd looked after my expenses more because it's so important to your profit center. When yeah. you're looking at your profit and loss, you, both of those avenues, your offense and your defense go exactly to the same bottom, bottom line. They both contribute yeah. to the same number that, that appears at the, at the end of each month. And yeah. you have to look after both. So if you're a, a smaller business, and we work with small businesses just as much as we work with big businesses, it's vitally important for you to look after those expenses at the defensive end of your business. Because right. if you're doing that, you're going to have more you're going to have more money to pay your offense. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to be able to keep more of that bottom line in your profit and loss statement. Yeah, especially if if someone's listening right now and they're, you know, in a, in a venture that's, you know, I'd say less than five years old, you know, they, they have a great business possibly, maybe they're still grinding and growing, but even if they have a great business at five years, I guarantee you that growth mindset that they have is pouring back in. Like we got to take what we got and we got to pour it back in to go get more, which is, is how things happen for the first five, 10 years of a business. And so to that point, wouldn't it be nice to have more fuel to re recircle through through the machine, you, you can go twice as far <laughs> in, in the same amount of distance or the same amount of time, I mean, with with twice the fuel. And in essence, that's what you're doing for businesses is not only helping them pay attention, because I get it. Again, I already said I'm an offensive minded person. I don't want to necessarily think lack. I don't want to think like we don't have enough or that, you know, like cut the cost because you can only do that down so far. But growth is exponential. I can I can make it as big as I want. So I agree with growth minded people out there thinking like, well, I just I just need to grow 100 percent. It's a way bigger pool to be able to grow. But at the same time, what, what we call as being a good steward, right? Like that's a core belief of mine. So it's a, yeah. it's a core value of, of gathering the kings is that, that we're royal stewards. And so you can't be a royal steward of what you've been given, your time, money, resources, family, your people, you know, your clients. You can't be a good steward of that if you're not paying at least a little attention and, and hiring a guy like William to, to help you save some money. <laughs> 
right? Yeah, yeah. Because on those savings, even the you, you think, well, it's not it's not necessarily a bottomless pit. It's not like well, I've I've got my cost as low as they possibly can be. One of the things that we are bringing to the table is keeping plugged into all the mergers, the technologies that's moving forward. The telecom is one of the, the big categories for us. And if you think of all the mergers and technologies, it's amazing how much knowledge in that area can help a business save money because they, they know stuff. Simple as that. And we bring that knowledge to the table. So saving money is a constant and you can continually keep pushing the cost down. And we know that because that's how we work with our businesses. The more we can get our clients costs down the more money we make because we share in those savings the further we can push them from that initial cost they were they were spending the money on closer we can get them to to well the the further we can get them away from that the more money we make because we share in that and we're always pushing that that number down as much as we can yeah i love that okay let's talk about a good decision that you've made in your journey especially maybe early on you know you've been doing this for a little bit what was a good decision that you made that uh, you can look back on that uh, has led to a lot of your success for me, as a, well, I share my story, the economic development background coming through and living in the United States. I, I think one decision I made, which at the time I didn't think was going to lead to any success, was, was franchise consulting. Because I wasn't doing well at it. I closed a couple of deals. Over a couple of years, I didn't make much money. But it was still a good decision because it led to something better. It led to me looking at franchises to help people buy franchises and showing them all these great ideas to me, finding a great idea that tapped completely into my story, where I'm coming from and my passion. So in the the outskirts, it looked like a bad idea, a bad mistake almost, but it wasn't because sometimes you never know what something leads to. And and for me, when I look back now, it's like, well, that actually was a good decision because the fact that I got involved in that led to something that that then led to me being successful with Schooley Mitchell. Yeah, it's so true. It's a dynamic that's hard to grasp because it's a super intangible, right? Where you don't know what you don't know and you wouldn't be where you are today without that decision, but there's no way for you to know what you know now without first taking that step or making that decision. And and I liken it actually to a lot of times we talk with folks that are, you know, looking to join Gathering the Kings Mastermind Group or you know, maybe even guys that are already in, but we're talking about different connections that they've made. And it's like, you know, four months ago, you didn't know this particular group of people. And four months ago, you didn't have this issue or this need or a desire for a connection or some something that you need in your business or in, in, a, in a relationship. And, and you put it before the group and some guys like, oh yeah, here, here's the answer. Or, oh yeah, I got a guy for that. I got a connection for that. And it changes everything. Like, yeah. I don't mean to be dramatic about that, but it, it, changes everything. It changed everything for you. That one decision, obviously, like you said, eventually kind of had to lead to something else, but it changed your entire, like what you do. <laughs> and, and that's happened time and time again, even inside of our group. So it's just like this majorly impactful, but super intangible thing. I can't just like measure this thing. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a saying that, that that I live by is that you'll sometimes regret the decisions you make, but you'll always regret decisions you don't make, whatever that yeah. is, because you'll never know. You'll never know that would, would that have been a success? I mean, you may sometimes look at something because I don't I don't want to buy those shares and then the thing dives. But right. and generally in life, you'll mostly regret things that you don't try. That's right. Um, you sometimes regret things you do try, sometimes you won't, but you won't know. So I guess the point of that is is don't be scared to try things. Yeah. Just get out there and do it because you're going to fail. That's that's a guarantee. You're going to fail at stuff, but you will be successful if you just keep trying things because eventually you'll find something that works. And right. you and I had talked before we started recording that 
if you do enough good out there, Zig Ziglar said, if you help enough people get what they want, it'll help you get what you want. And I believe that because, you know, I do similar things to this and help and promote businesses. And obviously just trying to be a nice guy, trying to help people. I'm I'm meeting a franchisee of Schooly Mitchell today, one who's just new. So I'm going to go through how I present. I'm going to, I'm going to be a tutor for that person. They have all that in spades at headquarters, right? But because I'm I'm a, a foot soldier on the ground, I'm going to share that, and I don't get any benefit from that. But but seeing somebody else possibly be successful, but go out there, try things, and give a little or give a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I the way that you just said that last little part, give a little, give a lot. I mean, you're right. We did agree, and I and the language that I used was that we were like minded when it comes to give, 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 like. Just give and and then give a little bit more and then give again with without any expectation, you know, because that's what happens over the course of time. It's recognized by people, by, you know, forces in, in heaven or <laughs> whatever, right? Like the reality is, is that there's there's good seeds planted. Bible talks about this, that seeds are going to come up with what, whether you plant good seeds or bad, or bad seeds. And I'm just like you, I'm trying to plant all kinds of good seeds everywhere. And because I'm trying to get a good harvest and, and I don't know where the harvest is going to come up. I'm not sure exactly what relationship's going to, going to lead to it. I don't know what decision or what, but, but I'm just trying to be faithful in, in each of those action steps. And so I know that's where we agree. I hope the listeners paying close attention because we're giving them some, some practical stuff as, as well as conceptual, like life, like core, like kind of, this is who you need to be as a successful person. Or I would even say as far as a King, right. It's the King mindset to be able to, pour out, right? Because out of the responsibility or out of the authority that you've got, or even out of the leadership or the money that you've earned or whatever we want to say that makes a king, it's now his duty to cover or to pour out or to take care of all these other people. And you've given such a great example of even somebody in your own system that you get no benefit from, except for that you're going to get a bunch of benefit from that because there's a lot of things that you're going to share with him that you're probably doing and that are going to be, are going to sharpen your tool and, and there's going to be a relationship built with that guy. And that will come back, I promise. And you know that, though. Yeah, <laughs> That's I mean, why you're doing you, it. You learn from the rookies because we have an, an annual conference. So I'll stand at the bar and have a chat with the rookie as well as the more experienced people. They, they want to learn from me, like, like, like I'm trying to learn from people who've, who've been doing it longer than I have. But right. you'd be surprised at how much you learn from people who are just coming into the system because we all come from so many different backgrounds and you can meet somebody who you might think is somehow beneath you in the hierarchy of the organization. Right. But that person always brings something to the table that they don't even know exists yet. And that's one of the things I'm going to share today with the, with the, the fellow franchisee that they're going to know stuff that they don't even know they know yet. And I'm going to probably learn some things from them at the same time that I don't know that I know yet. Exactly. I love that perspective because you're hundred percent right. But what it takes, though, the, the key to that is a learning spirit or humility to know that, like, well, you know, maybe I don't have it all quite figured out yet. And, and even this new guy might teach me something. And we've experienced this even with Gathering the Kings because we've got guys that are just over the one million mark and we've got guys that are in the hundreds of millions. And so the guys that are in hundreds of millions probably don't need tactical advice from the guy that, <laughs> you know, that's just crossed a million. But I'll tell you what, when he, when this guy gets around that guy, there's a transfer of courage. There's a transfer of energy. There's a transfer of this guy fumbled across something and it spurred a memory of this other guy. He's like, oh yeah, we haven't done that in a while. We, Hey, call, call Becky or, you know, yeah. <laughs> let's get that going again. You know, there's just so many different nuances that get transferred is what you just said without even that person even knowing, but yeah. you can't get the transfer if you don't put yourself in that situation over and over again. Would you agree? 
100%, because you can never stop learning. When you talk to anybody about anything, you'll always learn something. And I believe that every single day. Like just meeting you today, I've, I've learned a couple of things that, that I didn't know before I spoke to you today. And it happens all the time, but just be that sponge and be that accepting of knowledge will come from places you don't think, even right. though you might think it's somebody who's beneath you in the organization. Exactly. But just, I, I love helping people and, and anybody watching this video or listening to this podcast should think the same way because you get such reward from helping people. Just yeah. the way you feel about it, just the way it makes you feel is like, if somebody if somebody's asking they're looking for help, I'm actually hoping they'll ask me so that I'm the one that can help them, so that I'm the one that can give them something that they don't have. And I believe in living my life that way. I believe in operating my business that way. And obviously, this is a business podcast. And as a business owner, you should live your life like that and try and, and help as much as you can. And obviously, you have a business to run. We get that. But wherever there's an opportunity, lend a help to somebody because it makes you feel good, but it also will benefit you in the long run. Yeah, 100%. Okay, William, what about a bad decision? Something that you've done that we can learn from? I'm sure you probably learned from, but you can keep us away from making the same mistake. What is it? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned when I came to this country that that I started a floor cleaning company. There was there was one day I had somebody call me up. It was a little Mexican guy who came from a friend who had a gardening company and he didn't need the employee and he said he was a great worker. And I remember when I spoke him to the phone, he was very Spanish and I thought, you're going to be a great worker, but I didn't believe I was making enough money at the time to hire the to guy. Him. Yeah. And and I swear to God, is like you talk about some of the decisions that you don't make and you'll regret the rest of your life. I regret not hiring that guy because I believe vehemently that if I had taken the chance and hired him at that time, I probably would have been successful. It may, it may sound a crazy thing, like just hiring somebody who sounds like they'd be a good worker could make a difference because that was one of the problems that I had in that business. I couldn't find employees and I never took a chance when it was there. I never I never grasped it when it was there. And, and my wife and I have talked about it so many times. You remember that guy that, that you spoke to? And I'm, I'm saying he was Mexican because he was Mexican. He told me he was originally from Mexico. And I, I think that was a mistake. And yeah. for me, it's a big mistake. Who knows? It, it, the business might not have been successful, but I believe it would have been more successful because I would have had somebody in there working for me because I was doing the work as well as running the business. I was the right. HR. I was the accounting. Yeah, I was the labor. I was sales. I was everything trying to grow that yeah. business. And I believe that was a mistake I made yeah. by not trusting the universe who'd sent me somebody that could help me. I should have taken it. Yeah, that's so interesting because there's a lot of people I'm sure listening who are in that same boat where what we call warrior stage, right? Like they're they're out there, you know, slaying the slaying the enemy. They're They're in the heat of battle currently. AKA I'm wearing all the hats. I'm HR, I'm sales, I'm accounting, I'm the fulfillment, you know, I'm everything. And, and, and you can do it. You are doing it. I'm talking to you listener and you are doing it, but you're stressed and there's no quality of life and your business is, is probably going to fail. Just like William just said, his, his went down the pipe because you can't do it all. You, you think you can, but you can't. And that's why a lot of guys just stay small or eventually pop to something else because it, they just, they experience burnout or systems fall apart or there never were systems. And so you're right. Hiring that guy would have led to probably another hire and then probably a, maybe a more strategic hire, maybe a, maybe a sales guy, and then maybe another hire, like a, a operations director. And, and then, so now we're talking about you doing two, three, maybe five, seven, you know, 7 million. And, and we're just on a whole different trajectory yeah. based on you taking a chance, hiring a guy. And so I think that the listeners should pay close attention. What would you say to that guy that's like, oh, he's right, but I don't know. I don't have the money. Oh, what would you say? I I would say find the money, take the hit financially. I mean, I I could have afforded it, but it was 
I was kind of on the borderline. Take the hit financially, go for it. Because if you're struggling along trying to wear all the hats, it wears you. It will wear you down. It won't be down physically as well as mentally as well as everything. I actually kept that business going for seven years. I was still doing it when I started Schooly Mitchell. I was still doing it when I had my franchise consulting. I still kept doing it because I'm I'm Scottish and I'm a working guy, and I, <laughs> I I try to I try to keep it going. And eventually, I had to just stop. I had to just let it go because I was kind of like working weekends when I started Schooly Mitchell to help pay the franchise fees, which comes right at the beginning, whether you're earning money or not. I was cleaning floors at weekends to pay my franchise fees for the first year with Schooley Mitchell. I was was out cleaning floors to pay my franchise fees because I said to my wife, you're not going to be depositing our our bank money into this. I'm going to do this myself. So I I literally worked weekends (laughs) with a business that was failing to, to help this business be successful. So long yeah. story short, going back to the, the question about should they go for it? Yes, absolutely go for it because you, you will regret it if you don't take those chances. Yeah. What an incredible story too of you being able to make that type of a sacrifice early on. I think that we can all relate to that to a degree. We just wanted to make that point there because every business I've ever known that's been any sort of successful <clears throat> has a similar little part of their story where they say, you know, not, not too many people know this, but, and then they fill in the blank with, some late night, some, you know, weekend deal that they had to do for a year or two or three, you know, I, I, for the listener probably has no idea about this. I owned seven franchises doing, I don't know, four or $5 million a year in sales in my twenties. And I went back to work as a sales guy, full-time became the top salesperson out of probably 2,500. And, and I was only able to do that because I had systems And the only reason I wanted to do it is because I wanted to start investing in real estate. So I took about three years of time and like pressed in hardcore. It was crazy. I don't know if I would suggest anybody doing this, but I did exactly what I wanted to do. I started investing in real estate. And just like you, just like most listeners, probably they've got that moment in time where there was a couple of weeks or a couple of years where they had to just buckle down and get it done. And so I just appreciate you sharing that. I'm going to go over to our speed round here. I'm going to ask you about KPIs. So in, in, your, in your business here where you're helping other businesses manage expenses, get rid of or, or, or increase cash flow by doing that, what's the most important KPI? Or I, I like to say, if you could only track one thing, what would it be? The amount of people that say no. It's, it's, it, I'm sorry, it's a very basic answer from us because you've done sales. You yeah. want to count the no's. Not, not everybody says yes. You think everybody wants to save money, but not everybody's sensible enough to take the opportunity. When, <laughs> That's when a little we, dig there. <laughs> when, when we lay it in front of them. So the, the biggest thing that I track is just the number of people that are saying no. But as you say, you know, sales, it's next. It's on to the next. It's on to the next. So the biggest performance indicator I'm looking at is just how many people say no. And that helps guide you in areas as you're developing specific industries or talking to specific types of people or certain people at certain levels in the organization, that will help guide you because you're, you're measuring that as you go along with those noises. Like, well, I only spoke to the director of procurement. We know we want to speak to the CFO or the CEO. So that had a bearing on that no there. So tracking the noise with some kind of underlying information is what, what I look at. And I'm sure that's what most, most franchisees in the Scully Mitchell system Look at I mean, all, we're all different. I don't know that, but I'm assuming that that people are doing something similar to me in this in this organization. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, what would you say is a great book or maybe resource that you've used to grow your business? There's one book I've actually read it a few times, and I'm not an avid book reader. And it's funny because I know a lot of successful people are avid book some, readers. Some listen to podcasts. 
I some listen to podcasts, some listen to music. I play a little bit of guitar. I've got a book that I've read two or three times. It's called Thoughts Are Things. If you're if you're interested in a book that will kind of like get your your brain juices flowing, it's a really short read. It's by Bob Proctor, and he talks about the fact that if you think of something. It's a thought, like the chair you're sitting on, that was a thought in somebody's mind. Everything that surrounds your physical world is a thought in somebody's mind. All these inventions are a thought in somebody's mind. And the point of, for me, the point of the book to teach you is that you think of things, you have to act in things to make them become a reality. But every single thing around the the physical world is a thought that somebody thought, and it's developed into a tangible something. And so it kind of leads back to what we're talking about, like, Go for it. Go try things. If you think of something, you've got an idea for something, put it into play and see see if it happens. Because if you don't put it into play, if you don't step in the field, you'll 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 never know if you could win the game or not. Yeah, yeah, and you're and you're 100 right uh, taking the chance there. You know that that book for me gives that angle plus one more, and I'll so I'll share my little tidbit here for the listener as well, which is <clears throat> that you get what you pay attention to, you get what you think about, and so just like you said. I have, I'm, you know, standing next to a chair right now. I'm standing at a desk. I'm using a mic because it was a thought in someone's mind, not because they thought about it, but because they took a risk. Like you just said, created this product and it's iterated over the course of years. And so whether you're the inventor or whether you're just the person that's trying to get a target done, a certain amount of money, a certain goal with your family, you want to like fill in the blank, whatever the blank is, whatever that thought is, it will only be if you think about it, like obsess over it and like actually take action toward it and then act on it yeah yep so i just that's just a really really good book and a really great uh, reference what do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs i'm a huge believer in all of the above 90 percent of my business comes from networking from meeting people having coffees one-to-ones introductions i do like the marketing i do I do invest my own money back into my own offense for my own business, even though we're a defensive business. But I found the biggest offense and the the most cost-effective offense for growing my business has been networking and sharing of ideas with other people, other business people especially. Because as I said, talking to people, you never know what you're going to learn. And when you're doing masterminding, it's it's kind of incredible the, the ideas that flow around the table. Getting back to the book, Thoughts of Things, all those thoughts that people are having, and they'll show you how they develop into things. Then you have, you have ideas that you can develop into your own things. That's right. Uh, but generally, networking for me has been huge. I, I'm always networking. I'm always having coffee. I'll have coffee with anybody. Like a real estate agent. Oh God, I've known a thousand real estate agents. You never, <laughs> you, you never know where it leads to. You never know who that yeah. person knows. You never know who their connections are. They might be married to somebody who owns a manufacturing company, and they really need to stop le- leaking the bucket because they're not selling enough widgets. Right. So there's so many reasons why you should network and you should brainstorm. But I'm a firm believer in it, like hundred percent. Yeah, that you gave you gave a really really good description there. Obviously, networking more so for the business development. And then masterminding for ideas and strategy. And you gave, yeah. you know, some incredible examples on both. I've got a question for you around family. You've you've mentioned, you know, your wife. And I didn't ask you before we started if you had kids. And so you'll have to fill us in on that. But for myself, real quick, I'll give I'll preface the question. I've got four kids and I've interviewed a couple hundred entrepreneurs here on the show. And, and I've talked with business owners for, you know, 10, 12 years. And we all seem to have the same issue right? Which is, man, I'm obsessed with my business. I want it to grow, grow, grow. But then like, oh yeah, I forgot I'm married. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot I got kids. And, and, and that's where like a lot of people come in and they talk about balance. And, and I just think that's hocus pocus, right? So here's my belief is that 
we got to do it all. And I got to be obsessed about my marriage and my kids just the same way I'm obsessed about my business. And so my question to you is, how have you been able to do that? Now, two businesses in, one maybe didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to, but how have you kept your family maybe an obsession in the midst of all that? Well, I wake up every morning and every day is a new day. Everything's different. I never stop thinking about my business. I go for walks in the morning and I like to think, stuff and I'll come back with some ideas as I had a thought in my head, thoughts of things. But your your home life is part of your business. I also think that there's no point in doing the business if you don't have the the, the home life, if you don't have something right. to a tangible benefit from it. So right. having a home life is a tangible benefit of your business. So therefore I see it all part of the one. And and my wife and I are really good at pulling together. Right now my wife is in Scotland. She flew out Monday night. Her dad's sick in hospital. He's really old and we're kind of like hoping he survives this and we talked just last night and I said I'm going to start looking for a new house for your mum and dad to live in they live in this big house in Scotland they need to live somewhere smaller and she says do you have time I says no I will find the time I'll make the time for it yeah. and then she said well I said to her I, I want to feel as though I'm doing something to help you she says you're helping me by being there right. because I've got a son at university, but I've got a son at high school here. So I'm making his lunches in the morning. I'm doing right. all the stuff. Gives her freedom to go do her Your home life becomes part of your business. It becomes right. part of everything because as I say, that I don't I don't believe in working for work's sake. I believe in working for some kind of benefit at the end of it. That is a nice coat, nice house. We've got a nice swimming pool. We've got a nice life in Florida. So I believe that your your home life is part of your business. It's, it, it, you can't really separate the two of them because right. they're so in, they're so intrinsically tied together that, right. that your home life is your business, and your business is your home life. Yeah, you you uh, you fall into an alignment with with myself and and plenty of others I've had here on the show that I've already started to ask this question. But you're a hundred percent right. There there is no separation, and when we try to separate it, I feel like that's when we it's like, well, wait a second. Like, okay, let me try to balance these things. Let me cut this off and go over here. It's like, no, no, no. They just need to be like all together. And that doesn't mean that you don't have separate time for certain things. Like, like you just said, I'm sure when you're out at the pool, you're hanging with your boys or with your wife and you're doing the thing, but the integration of those things is really, really important. I, I love the way that you said it. William, I got one last question for you. You ready? Yep. If you could whisper in the younger William's ear, what would you say? Stick in at school because education is so important for you, whether it's academic education, whether it's it's personal education, education, education is what I would whisper in the young William's ear. What do you think that that would have done for the younger William that you didn't get until maybe later? I think I would probably have been more where I am now earlier in my life. Sure. Simple as that. And, and I talked to my my younger son who's, not doing great at school, and he's as bright as anything. He's actually brighter than his brother, who's at Florida State University, straight A student. This young one is is brighter than him, and I keep talking to him. Is like, get it done now, because work hard in your academic life when you're at school, because then you then you've got the rest of your life. Because I had to go back to school. I had to spend six years at, at night school when I was getting my degree. I graduated when I was thirty seven, and I'm, and I'm tooting my my horn here a little bit about doing that because I'm proud of that, but I wish I didn't have to do that. Right. So I wish I'd told the, that if I could go back to the younger William and say, do this way instead of doing it that way, you'll be more successful early rather than later in life. Yeah. But it, there's, there's, there's never a time not to do something. You, if, you, if you're going to be 55, you're going to be 60, 70, whatever right. age you're going to be, you're going to be that age anyway. So 
do it yeah. now. If you're somebody who's in their 50s thinking it's too late, it's never too late. I graduated when I was 37. My my point is, is that it's actually better to do it early, but it's never too late. I, you know, you took the words out of my mouth because you're right. There is never a better time. I learned that in real estate. You know, the best time to buy real estate was 20 years ago. The next best time is right now, <laughs> yes. which is exactly what you just said. And so it's like, okay, so I can look back and I can go, okay, well, not only just education, academics, formal education, but you also, you made way for self-education, YouTube, podcasts, you know, getting around other business owners. Like we learn in all these formats. And so number one, never stop. Start earlier, never stop. And then, oh, by the way, you're not too, it's not too late to start, even if you haven't started yet. I think that's a pretty beautiful last message here. Okay, William, how can the listeners find you? Number one, I want to, I want them to know as a small business owner, how can they connect with your business so that they can save money? They can be on the defense. They can plug those holes. How can they find you that way? Or if they just want to pick your brain as an entrepreneur, how can they find you that um, way? If they can call me, I'll give you my cell phone, 813-449-1215. You can email me at william.mckissick at schoolymitchell.com. You can find my Schooly Mitchell webpage, which is, is schooly, william, sorry, <laughs> schoolymitchell.com slash wmckissick. There you um, go. Forgot my own email address, my own my own website address. Here. <laughs> That's okay. We'll so put it in the show notes for you. Um, and and go, go on social media. I'm very easy to find. You'll find my website. You'll find me on LinkedIn. You'll you find my YouTube channel. You'll find me on Facebook. I'm very easy to track down if you want to talk to me about. Just talk to me. I'm, I'm I'm always open to a conversation with anybody about anything. If I can help anybody listening to this yeah. podcast, I'm happy to do so. Likewise, if you're a business listening to this and you want to save money, I can certainly help with that 100%. Yeah, I think I think we're going to, I mean, I don't come up with the titles, you know, for our shows, but I'm going to put this in here for my editor who's going to be listening to this. And I think we should probably title this episode something about saving money guaranteed with William, you know, or something like that. I think that uh, you you threw it out there. So it's it's out there for the listeners to take advantage of. You've given your direct phone number and every way possible to communicate with you. They'd be silly not to have a cup of coffee with you or a virtual meeting to uh, see if... Uh, See if you can plug some of those holes. So, William, I just so appreciate you, you know, being here and giving freely. As you said earlier, you have done that super well here today. You've done it like a king. And I wish you nothing but blessing on your family, even your wife's parents and that whole situation, and even just uh, over your kids and, and your business, of course. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to Bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit 
to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.